Good afternoon, everyone. It's lovely to be with you again this week. We have another live at five. Um, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate you taking this time to join us live, although I'm sure you can catch up with us if you miss us later on. Maybe you're watching us um, on repeat afterwards. Um, but whatever way you join us, we're really grateful that you've taken the time to do that. Um, my name is Jude and I work here as part of the pastoral team at Christchurch. And uh, everything that we do today should be on the screen so that you won't need to have anything extra with you um, or anything like that. Um, uh, let me just check. Can somebody give me a thumbs up on the live comments if you can hear me? Because we're just getting some comments through that you can't and I don't... Uh, I don't want to continue if you can't hear me. But we'll, 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 we'll press on. Um, it's been quite a busy week at Christchurch as our community, even though we've not all physically been together. And I'm like, who knows when, when that's going to happen? Are, are you getting used to the new normal yet? We've uh, had uh, people um, who have uh, had a new addition to their family. We've had a new birth in Christchurch. And so we are totally excited about that and we rejoice about that and give God thanks uh, for that. Um, and then we've had um, some people who've had to bury loved ones this week um, under just the strangest of circumstances. Um, and so we mourn with them. And I don't know what your experience has been this week, but whatever it has been, whether you've been rejoicing or mourning, um, we pray that God would bless you in your circumstances um, and that you would um, be with us and that he would be with you even. Um, today on Live at Five, we'd love you to get in touch. Thanks everyone who's given me the thumbs up. You can hear me live, loud and clear, which is great. Thanks for that thumbs up. Um, if you want to get in touch with us during our broadcast today, then um, either comment on the Facebook page or on the Twitter page. Um, or if you'd like to get in touch with us a bit more privately, then feel free to drop us an email at hello at xchurch.org.uk. Um, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, this is our third Live at Five. Can you believe it? If you've been with us for the last few weeks, you'll know that we love to do our five words. We've kind of had five words which have summed up your coronavirus experience um, to date or five words of testimony um, about how uh, your faith is doing through this experience. Uh, make sure you send in your five words today um, and uh, Maybe if you're needing some inspiration for your five words, uh, how about five words which sum up um, a new routine that you've had since uh, lockdown or perhaps five words that you're thankful for? Um, but uh, make sure you uh, get your, your five words into us. Um, that, that would be really good. I don't know if you know what it takes to produce this uh, live broadcast to you. Um, Ash and Paul and myself are the ones that you see on the, on the screen. Um, but actually, there's a whole team of people um, behind us. Uh, we've got uh, tech people running who you can see at what time in our PowerPoint slides and coming in. We've got people uh, balancing our sound and trying to make sure that goes well. We've got like the music team uh, who pick songs for us to listen to and things like that. 
So it's a real team effort to try and produce our Live at Five church on social media for you. And unfortunately, this week, um, one of, we've kind of come up We've come up a bit short um, from where we'd like to be. Last week we were able to bring you um, some music uh, during our broadcast but unfortunately um, we are uh, not obeying copyright laws to do that as we are at the moment. So we won't be able to bring you any live music today um, but would you please bear with us and uh, we're hoping to get some form of music to you soon uh, during our, our church on social media um, and uh, could you pray for us and pray for the teams that are involved in producing this, that um, that things would run smoothly and that that would be able to, to go ahead. And especially for those behind the scenes who get us on screen at the right time. We're we're very, very grateful to them. Even though uh, church isn't meeting, there's still a few notices and things that I kind of thought you would want to be aware of. Uh, this is a life group week. <laughs> which seems kind of uh, strange to encourage you all to get together when you can't get together. But I think we're well experienced now, aren't we, at getting together online. Like uh, you must have Zoom or House Party or some of these apps or something like that. So if you're not in a life group or you'd like to catch up with people, we don't want you to feel lonely or isolated. Um, drop, us a, drop us an email and find out how you can do that. Or drop your life group leader a text and say, hey, how are we getting together this week? even if it's uh, if it's online. The other thing, which is kind of a major event on the church calendar, um, is uh, that Good Friday is this Friday. Like Easter is here, just about, although you can't eat your Easter eggs yet, kids. Um, and this Friday at 10 a.m., it won't be live at five, but we're going to do a live broadcast for you. And during that live broadcast, um, we're hoping to have a kind of thought for the day just to get our minds aligned right about uh, what Good Friday is really all about. And then even though it won't be how we normally do it, we would like to share communion with you as well. So it'll take a little bit of preparation on your part. You'll need to have um, some wine or some juice um, available and you need to have some bread. Um, and But we're hoping that God's spirit moves amongst us, that we can still have that unity amongst us as we take um, communion together. So watch out for that one. We'll advertise that on Facebook during the week. Um, but Good Friday at 10 a.m. this week. The other way that we'll uh, get, make sure we get all these announcements to you is um, through our email. So we're, it's now going out weekly. Um, and I hope you're picking up on that. Let us know if you want to subscribe. You can do that at the bottom of our website. Um, but during that, we're, uh, we're, uh, we're just... Um, getting some songs to you through that media and extra blogs and things to keep you going, things for the kids and uh, stuff like that. So um, check out our, our website. This week, uh, Joe was supposed to be picking a song for us and he did that and he picked a great song for us, but unfortunately we won't be able to play it for you today, but we will put it on our email. But I thought it would be a good idea just as we begin to kind of center our minds around kind of who God is and what he's done for us, for me just to read you uh, some of the lyrics of the song and then um, why Joe chose it. Uh, so let me just read that to you now. It's a song um, called Be Still My Soul, In You I Rest. And this verse really caught my eye this this afternoon as I was uh, listening to it. Um, and you might, somebody might be kind enough to put a YouTube link in the comments section. That would be 
that'd be really helpful. It says, be still, my soul. Thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. I, in you I rest, in you I found my hope, in you I rest, you never let me go. I place my life within your hands alone, be still my soul. Let's just read what um, Joe had to say about that for us. Um, just give me a second, that's just coming up. Joe says this, without wishing to sound morbid, the events of the past few weeks and months have brought into sharp focus, for me at least, the fragility of the human condition. I was reading the Bible story of the Tower of Babel to Martha, that's his little girl, a few nights ago, and it struck me that although the towers we build today are not literal, they are no less prevalent all these years later. Whether they're the towers of technology, physical beauty, sporting prowess or intellectual ability. Ultimately, they can never alter our mortality. And this virus has only magnified how quickly we can be brought to our knees. Despite all our abilities and all our efforts. By contrast, this song calls us to be still and to bear patiently on the cross of grief or pain. So at a time when people are dying around us and we feel mortal and helpless, I feel the call more strongly to look to Jesus, the one who claims to have conquered death. A wise man once said that if you believe in an ultimate evil, you must believe in an ultimate good. And part of being still to me means listening to that quiet voice inside me, which tells me it shouldn't be this way. And because of that, there has to be hope. Be still, my soul, the hour is hasting on when we shall forever be with the Lord. When disappointment, grief and fear are gone, sorrow forgot, love's purest joy restored. I hope that's helpful for you this week. Um, I hope you get the chance to listen to that at some point. Um, and thanks very much to Joel for uh, giving us his uh, testimony through that. Okay, time for some five words now. Um, and there's been a few coming through. Uh, Ash, perhaps you'd like to join me um, as we read through some of these five words that have been coming through. Afternoon, Ash. Hello, hi there. Yeah, I've got um, I've got five words. Do you want me to share my five words? Yeah, yeah, go for your, your five words, yep. Um, Joe Wicks keeps me fit, I think. <laughs> oh, is okay. When you get up, yes, Joe Wicks keeps you fit. <laughs> and everyone's going on long walks. So long, long walks show God's glory. I think that's been... Oh, amen to that one. Just been a wee that's bit a new... more reflective. At the yes, different new, new routines for you then. New routines, Joe Wicks and, and long walks. Um, we've got one coming. Building fences is hard work. That's somebody who's obviously doing a little bit of DIY in, in lockdown mode. Um, thanks, thanks for that one. 
and we've had another one. Everything comes from God alone, which is, uh, yeah, that's mind blowing when you think of that, isn't it? Um, and uh, our God made no mistake. Um, very good messages of testimony and, and thankfulness there. Um, my, uh, my own uh, five words are late night or late night binging on Netflix which is a new routine, well, maybe not like the wisest of routines that I could have uh, get into, but definitely a new routine in our house, uh, late night binging on Netflix. Have we got any other five words that are, are coming through? I don't, um, no, I think that's them all. We've got, you can maybe add some more five words as we uh, go through uh, today. Ash, you've got a few more words for us today because you're going to give us our Bible reading for today. Would you give us our Bible reading now, please? Sure. Okay. Well, today we're reading from, um, we're carrying on our series, uh, Meals with Jesus, Food for Thought, and we're moving on a chapter from chapter 12 to chapter 13. So it's on the screen. You can follow along if you want to grab hold of a Bible at home, that's fine. John chapter 13, we'll read from verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what, I'm going, what I am doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet, their whole body is clean and you are clean though not every one of you for he knew who was going to betray him and that was why he said not everyone was clean when he had finished washing their feet he put on his clothes and returned to his place do you understand what i've done for you he asked them you call me teacher and lord and rightly so for that is what i am now that i your lord and teacher have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Okay, we're just going to, um, before Paul comes to speak to us, let's just pray. I don't know if you're a prayer. Um, if you're a prayer, please pray. With me. Yeah, Father, for those just now as we come before you, for those who are living um, in real fear, for those maybe who are isolated and stuck at home, 
Father God, we just pray that in these times that um, they will know you or find a sense of the God of all comfort. Father, we consider um, the people in our world who are administering the care. Father, we give you thanks for those people who put themselves in harm's way. We think, give you thanks for the great reminder of your, of your created children. We give you thanks for the nature of these people that are looking out for us. We give you thanks for uh, the, even the way that our country has progressed, uh, that we have a national health service, that we have people on the front line who are willing to care. And we pray for those, Father God, who have who have paid like re with real sacrifice, even with their own lives. Um, we just pray for their families and their loved ones at this time. But, um, but as we consider our the blessed place that we occupy in their care, we give you thanks. Give you thanks for this provision. We give you thanks for their hard work. Give you thanks for their care. Father, just pray at a time when we can be governed by um, fear and maybe even selfishness and maybe even foolishness as well, Father God. We just pray for our country. And we just pray that we will, instead of being filled with selfishness, Father God, would you fill us with um, compassion? Would you show us uh, not just our own needs, but the needs of the nation, the needs of each other. Father God, at this time we pray, as we think about this pandemic, we think about this crisis, we just think about the way that it's going to hit around the world and uh, we think about how that's going to affect other countries and we just pray that um, as this takes root in other parts of the world where living in isolation is going to be really tricky. Father God, we just we pray for your care over those countries. We pray that our Government and our resources of this country will be, um, in that moment, will be caring too. We just pray uh, for that sense of wisdom from you, we pray. We pray that in all of this, um, that we will learn something new of you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Paul. Thanks, Ash. Great to be here. And um, great to carry on on this journey of the meals uh, with Jesus around the Easter time. And we're looking at John chapter 13 and mostly the first 11 verses. And maybe it's worthwhile just going back through the reading and, and reminding ourselves of what's happened. It's the Passover festival and Jesus is meeting with his disciples uh, in an upper room. He's prepared it or they've prepared it for the meeting. Uh, and in verse two, we see that the meeting's in progress. And as the meeting is taking place, Jesus gets up and he washes the disciples' feet. There's a conversation that goes on between Jesus and Peter. And um, as we as we work through the the, th the thread of this this event, I think it I think it really speaks to us powerfully today about our own situation. First thing that we're reminded of is that what the disciples are doing here is they're remembering something from 1400 or so years earlier. They're remembering a Passover time. They're celebrating a meal which reminds them as God's people that they were saved from Egypt, from the slavery of Egypt. Remarkably, miraculously, they were redeemed because God had saved them. 
and so each year God's people are reminded to celebrate this fast festival, this Passover festival, I guess, for those disciples during that day, or in fact, for the culture during that day. The idea of looking back to something 1,500 years ago, think, imagine 1,500 years ago from now, 500 AD, it's a different world. The issues that we're dealing with seem so much uh, more sophisticated than that world. And yet here's God's people being reminded that 14, 1500 years ago is still relevant for them today. And I think that that speaks about how God deals with the world and how God deals with his people. He's constantly reminding us that things of the past, the way that he's dealt with us in the past, the way that the world has uh, been spoken to by him, we shouldn't take this really short-term view or this superior view that our, our way of seeing things right at the moment is, is the way. But while, rather to look back and to seek how God has engaged in the past is a reminder of the God who we worship. So that's the first thing that I think we see is that the relevance of something so long ago was impressed on the minds of the disciples. I think the second thing which is fascinating, and I'm really glad that we were in chapter 12 last week, uh, is we're reminded about two meals. But we're reminded from John's gospel. Uh, and John opens up his gospel with the first section of chapter one. Almost it's a, it's a prelude, or if you like, or it's, if it's an overview, an executive summary, whatever you want to call it. It's a way of describing what the next chapters are going to be all about. And uh, John makes this incredible statement in chapter one and verse 14. He says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So John's got this opening claim right at, right at the beginning of his book, and he's saying Jesus is no less than the Son of God. And then he unfolds the rest of the life of Jesus and the conversations that he has um, with people and the actions that take place around his life to describe why that claim is something that we should take seriously. And now we've got Jesus in a meal with his disciples where he's washing the feet of his disciples. The amazing thing is that the previous chapter, it was Mary who was washing Jesus's feet. Some of the other um, gospel writers who recount that story, we discussed it last week, um, they focus on other things. They focus on um, Mary wash, washing or anointing Jesus' head. But John makes a deliberate point of picking up on the fact that Mary washed Jesus' feet. And he's wanting to speak very powerfully that Mary placed herself in that place of servanthood before Jesus. And I suspect that the reason that he chose to emphasize that was because he was going to move on to chapter 13 and he was going to emphasize that Jesus places himself 
in that servant place with regards to the disciples. It's incredible that Jesus, who had instigated the meeting, he was, if you like, the one who was inviting the disciples, prepare, who had prepared this Passover feast. He was, if you like, the, the leader of the band of disciples. He was the one who was effectively at the head of the table. And then he makes this amazing move to wash the disciples' feet, mirroring, in a way, what Mary had done in the previous chapter. It tells us an, an enormous amount about the nature of God, the way he decides to act in the life that he lived with us is, is his way of describing what he is like. And we could go as far as to say that the God who we worship is the servant God in Jesus. It's his nature to come and to serve. Matthew puts it like this in, in chapter 20. He says that uh, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He makes this point in, this, in words in the way that John makes the point by the actions of Jesus. Jesus reflects the servant attitude of Mary by washing the feet. Matthew says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And so we have this amazing picture of Jesus as the servant leader. I guess one of the most powerful um, moments over these past few weeks, well, for me, certainly, as I've reflected on it, is the times when as a nation, on Thursday evening at eight o'clock, we've we've collectively applauded those people who are serving us at the front line. It's an overwhelming moment where the whole of our society is saying collectively that serving is a powerful thing. It's something that we value. It's something which is inherently valuable in our, in our society and as people, as human beings. To serve is, is a beautiful thing. For us to serve each other is a powerful thing. For us to put ourselves in the place of danger is an incredible thing. And now we see that God is saying, the nature of me is to come into this world to serve you. Who was he serving? The disciples in that moment, they're representative. They're representative of God's people. That when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, when he goes around that group and one by one washes their feet, He's effectively saying, I am serving my people. The beginning of John in chapter 1 and verse 12, John says that, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, 
he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus is saying that those who believed in me, they're the disciples at this moment in time. My serving brings them into the family of God. And for us, the serving of Jesus brings us into that same family. Peter then realizes what Jesus is doing and, and in Peter's inimitable style, he, he can't really cope with the idea of Jesus washing his feet. In verse six, we see that Simon Peter turns to him and he says, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? In a sense, Peter understood partly who Jesus was at this point. He understood that he was in that servant place. And in one sense, the response of Peter is, is honorable. He was placing himself alongside Mary. He's saying, no, I, I'm not here for you to serve me. I, I should be here to serve you. And therefore, I should be washing your feet, not you washing my feet. Jesus's response is quite startling. You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. It's a surprising response from Jesus. And it's Jesus connecting what he's doing at this moment with something that is about to happen. It's Jesus saying to Peter, you need to understand that what I'm doing in this servant response that I'm, I'm bringing to you at this point in time, this, this serving behavior that I'm exhibiting, it's a foretaste of the kind of serving that I will do. And Peter doesn't understand this and he pushes back again. No, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus says some remarkable words. He says, Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. In other words, Jesus is saying, you cannot have a part of me unless you allow me to serve you. Unless I wash you, you have no part of me. And then Peter's response in dramatic fashion is, well, if, if that's what it takes, then wash me from head to foot. And Jesus says, no, you don't need that. You've been invited. Allow me to serve you. But watch, I think, is behind this. He's saying, be ready to see what will unfold. So I suppose the question is then, well, how far does this serving of Jesus go? How far is Jesus willing to take it? I think we see that from the first verse of our reading. In verse 1 of chapter 13, we read this. It was just before the Passover festival. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the, this world. One of the little um, key phrases in the Gospel of John is that idea of the hour. There's lots of occasions previously um, where we've, we've seen John speaking about Jesus, knowing that the hour had not yet come. 
Uh, and now he says, but now the hour has come. What hour has arrived? It's the hour for him to leave this world. And John deliberately places that at the beginning of chapter 13, at the beginning of the washing of the disciples' feet, because it's connected. When Jesus says, uh, wait and see what will happen, you don't realize what I am going to do, but later you will understand. John's saying what, what Peter will later understand is that the hour has come for Jesus to leave the world. And the remarkable statement then is that Jesus is saying, my serving of you will go this far. It will go to death. His feet washing of the disciples was a preparation. It was a precursor, if you like. It was a way of saying, I am here to serve you. And you don't even begin to understand yet how much I will serve you. But I will serve you to death. He goes to the place of death. And he serves us in that hour. We are in a, a remarkable world situation right at this moment in time. I think for many, the fear of death is it's no longer a, a theoretical idea. It's something which is real. It's something, something which is pressing. It feels as if it is moving in on us from, from all directions. And so as the disciples were remembering the way in which Jesus was their salvation 14, 1500 years earlier, I think at this moment in time, it is no more relevant than for us to realize that Jesus has served us in the past by going to death. So that that, as humanly fearful as it truly is, will not defeat us. That's the message of Jesus at this moment in time. He's saying, be ready for my serving because the hour has come. We're so blessed. I, I could see many of us would probably be more like Peter. Many of us would be arguing about what Jesus was going to do, what, what, whether he should, whether that's acceptable, whether we believe that Jesus is doing the right thing. But, but we're not in the place of that immediate time. We're in the place of seeing how this story unfolds. And so we know the outcome of the hour. We know that when Jesus served us in death, that it was ultimately to bring life. That he was the one who defeated death. Which brings all the more relevance to Jesus saying to Peter, if I've washed you, you're part of me. You belong to me. Right at this moment in time, in fact, we read it in, chapter, in verse 2, we read that the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. We've got two people in that room, Peter, 
who is intent, desperate to belong to Jesus. And at that moment in time, we've got another mind, which is already going to the pieces of silver that he would earn for betraying Jesus. One is desperate to belong and goes overboard in his desire to belong. And one is desperate to earn a little bit more money, having been incensed that money was wasted with the perfume that was spilt by Mary. And for me, Peter is a representative of of those who can have hope in Jesus, even in the most fearful of situations. So that we're able to say, no matter what might happen, I fear death, but it will not defeat me. I don't think many of us, until we reach the moment, can truly in our hearts say that we have no fear of death. It's a pressing issue for us right at this moment in time. But the hope of Jesus is that the human fear that we see is over overwhelmed by the hope that we have in Jesus. The end of Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, Hopeful and Christian, are coming to the river to cross. And I love the fact that Bunyan portrays Christian as being fearful to cross the river, fearful of being overwhelmed. And his companion, hopeful, encourages him to keep looking up to the celestial city and to see that beyond this is their hope. I don't think there's anything that is more relevant for us to be able to look back at this moment where the servant Christ washes the disciples' feet so that they would be ready for him to serve them to the end. Let's pray. Father, we're amazed at the portrayal of a servant who stoops to wash the disciples' feet because culturally it was so unacceptable. And yet we realise that it is just a foretaste of the greater offence of the cross, which for some is foolishness, for others it's offensive. For those who believe, it is the hope of life. And so we pray that the washing of Jesus, of the disciples' feet by Jesus, might be us able to say, yes, you have washed my feet as well. And so I belong. Amen. Thanks for that, Paul. It's uh, it's quite amazing, isn't it, that we get to learn big um, theological truths about who God is <clears throat> over the intimacy of a meal that He shared with His disciples. Mm. Like what a what a kind of private picture, almost you know, mm. in a room over dinner with just His closest friends, mm. and yet we get that documented in 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 the Bible. And we mm. get to learn about who God is over mm. um, over a meal. Mm. If you have time again this week, read that story through um, and uh, and ask God to speak to you again through it and help him ask him to help you see 
great truths about who God is, our servant king, um, through it. Um, some of you may need to go. Um, I'm sure that that you have other things to do. And if you do need to go, then then that's fine. Um, but if you have time to hang around and uh, if you have any questions about the passage or just any questions generally, maybe you're wondering what communion looks like on Friday and, and what that might be like, or um, you want to put something to Paul or Ash or myself, then um, take the time to do that just now. Um, you can post it on the comment section and we'll see it. Um, and we're just going to spend probably five to 10 minutes having just a little chat um, amongst ourselves, but we'd love if, if you if you could join in um, in that time. Um, so feel free to get to get your questions through. Whilst you're thinking about some questions, we've had some great uh, five words through and five words aren't the be all and end all, but they're just a way that we're communicating in the best way that we can and just sharing with one another just now. So we're really thankful that you choose to, sh to share with us and some uh, great, great ones of testimony. We've had the Lord is with us. Thank you for that. The God of all comfort. Um, let us all pray more. Things that we can all definitely say amen to. And then we've had a few five words of, um, I think, despair, <laughs> um, which just help us to remember that we're all human and that no matter what you're going through in your week, there are other people uh, going through things as well. Um, cleaning out dead rat smell. I'm glad that wasn't my house this week, but my sympathies, my sympathies with you. And I miss my best friends. That was from one of our younger members of church. So thank you for those five words. They inform our prayers and they help us to uh, sympathise and empathise with one another. So um, thank you very much for, um, for sharing them with us. Questions for Paul or Ash, myself, um, feel free to, to send them in. We can they come up on our screen and we, we can uh, see them. Paul and Ash, can I invite you to join me on the screen? That would be that would be just, good. Thank just you. Like that. I like how I'm in the middle. Oh, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. For a brief second in the middle. Thanks, guys. Um, Paul, I guess I've got a couple of questions um, about that passage. Um, I, I love. It's just such a beautiful picture, isn't it? That. Uh, that Jesus is our servant. I mean, that's really quite a unique feature of Christianity, isn't it? Like yeah. this idea that God is is served. I mean, we, we understand the idea that God is to be worshipped, you know, like in all religions, but in Christianity, the fact that Jesus serves us, that that's it feels quite unique and special. Yeah. Why do you think it is that humility is such an important attribute in, in our faith? I think we got, we've had a little taste of it. When we see true humility, it, it's awesome. It, it, it's something to be worshipped, bizarrely. That, that's what we've been doing on a, on a Thursday night. We've, yeah, we've been worshipping, in a way, humility. Mm -hmm. And then we find in the, the storyline of the Bible that, that God says that when I... When you open your minds to understand my humility, it actually opens your minds to the greatest source of worship. Because I came to you when you were an enemy, when you were lost in your sins, I came to you and I redeemed you. 
and that astounding humility becomes the source of the greatest worship which which is which is paradoxical in a way we feel as if something bigger and greater and powerful more powerful is only ever the reason to worship but when you compare combine that power and greatness with profound humility it's overwhelmingly awesome and will cause us to worship i think there is a uniqueness to the christian faith in that the god who we worship describes himself in that way mm -hmm. ash have you got any thoughts just on this idea of um humility and the fact that that god serves us and that we serve a, ser a servant king um you know jesus encourages in this passage to to, to wash one another's feet you know like as you've seen me do that kind of um can, can uh yeah wash I think, one another's feet what does that look like for us how, how have you get well i think there's a sense in which when we see this story we realize that to to fully know to i mean what is it to become a christian what is it to have faith what is it to be really close to god i think when you see this lesson for the disciples there's a sense in which he's saying look this is you need this is something you've really got to learn not just to be a good person because that i mean you will be a good person but i think as well this is the reality of your state before god if you really want to know him you're going to have to learn this lesson of humility whenever you see anybody meet god in the bible it, it's always humbling for them whether it's some great prophet from the old testament or whoever it is they end up on their knees bowing down and in that we see the tr the truth of how it is, and I think often, I think it's not often. I think it's easy for us just to to not be able to get to that place, to to forget that that that's the truth of our position before God, and actually not be humble, and then not experience Him fully. I think the lesson for the disciples was, oh man, this is in seeing the mo you know how Jesus modelled godliness, they get how to experience godliness in humility, which is which I think is when you worship authentically, when you're able to sing a song to God that has real depth of meaning, when you really understand who you are and who he is, can only really ever be a humble, humbling, mm -hmm. humbling thing. I think that's part of the lesson. And, it's, and I think the story, the story serves as a reminder of that. You know, it reminds us of the benefits, not just for being good, but for being godly of, of humility. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference, therefore, in, in being good and being humble. <laughs> in that sense in terms of what uh... yeah yeah the, the dis disciples don't i don't think that maybe they do but they, it's not really the pattern to try and be humble it's just that they are humbled by what they see in god that's kind of what that's just the mm -hmm. way around it is with god i think we can we can try and be humble and often in our christian walk we will go all right i need to i really need to be more humble but that's a really tricky endeavor that's really hard to do i think it's much easier if you can spend time seeing who god is and sort of experiencing his love and then it's a much quicker route yes. to humility. being being served is a really tricky thing isn't it like uh you know because you feel like you also owe someone do you know? like there's a difference when be, when you're served when you pay for your meal at the end of it or you can leave them a tip or something like that but the idea that somebody um serves you and you know like in you know that that humbling you you almost kind of want to go a bit like peter no 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 you don't you don't need to do that like you know um, we feel quite uncomfortable with that i think don't we and 
yeah, it's a it's a really a really tricky one um, to to get our heads around. Um, I, I love uh, Tim Keller's uh, definition of um, humility. He says it's not thinking about yourself less. Uh, no, he he says, oh help me out here. Do you get do you, um, humility is uh, self forgetfulness, not thinking less of yourself, but just thinking of yourself less. Have I got that the right way around? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the funny thing is, as soon as we decide to be more humble, we reflect on how humble we now are, and we become yes. filled with pride. Yeah. So it's actually forgetting about our humility yeah. and pushing into the glory of Jesus, uh -huh. which which becomes the, the power of, of our own humility. Yes, lovely. Good, good stuff. Um, we've had a question through on the on the comments, so I'm just gonna put that to you guys. Um and it's just about that comment that you made. Paul about not fearing death so somebody's asking when you say that you fear death do you fear the process but not the outcome that's a really good question um and I want to be really honest here um <laughs> good uh, yeah I fear the process absolutely um but there's a there's a little part of of the reading that we had in verse 2, it says the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So in other words, Satan is always kind of prompting, pushing, creating thoughts in our experience, questioning. And in that honesty, on behalf of all of us, I think I would say, like like every believer in Jesus, there are times when I question whether I am truly a believer. So do I fear the outcome? At times, yes, but not because I should fear the outcome, but because I'm looking and listening to the accuser of God's people. I'm listening to, to what God is saying. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not listening enough to what God is saying. Uh, and I'm listening too much to the accuser uh, of me. Uh, and I think one of the things, um, 1 Peter were told to, to realize that Satan is, is a roaring lion. But the roaring lion often comes in, in little voices. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we've got to resist and we've got to, how do we resist we are never strong enough we're never strong enough to resist of our own strength the only thing that we can do in that moment in time is push into his promises mm -hmm. uh, in fact we see jesus does just that when he's tempted by satan uh, yes, and when we push into mm -hmm. those promises we we no longer fear death not because we're strong enough not to fear death, but because we're more confident in the promises that Jesus has made to us. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. Ash, what could you maybe give some advice? There might be some of us who do struggle with that doubt and maybe feel at the moment that there are those whisperings of, oh, is this really real? Can you really, can you really have that confidence? And, you know, Jesus in this passage says, you know, unless I wash you, You'll have you'll have no part of me. Can, for those people who are wondering, I'm a really part of Jesus. You know, is this is this real? I'm struggling to work that 
that all out? Can can you give them any kind of advice or, or things? And that's that kind be? of a that's kind of a question that you don't verbalise. Definitely yeah. in church, you can't go. Yeah, you can't rock up in the pews and say, "Oh yeah, I'm really I'm really thinking. I'm really you know I'm I'm trying to work this out. I've had moments of of doubt, I guess." Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it. So I think it's one of those things that bears out over time. I think. Um, and we'd we'd love it to be this. Um, we have some fantastical dream, or we have some, you know, revelationary moment. You know, and I think. Well, and I think whilst I think those kind of things happen, I think the reality, and I think this bears out in the New Testament church and how you see that um, progressing, is that faith bears out. So in this in this story, for example, you see it in the sort of in the great anxieties of life, you see you see faith working out. You see the disciples, you know, faith bearing out in that moment. I think, and I guess it's um, what is it that you what is it that you cling to in in those? And often, often you maybe you don't get to you don't get to ultimately find out until the actual moment where you're you know something traumatic happens in your life or something great happens in your life, and you turn to you know you're having a run and you see this beautiful sunset, and in that moment you go. I'm going to praise God for this. That's where my, you know, that's where my joy is going to go. Or you're in a, you're in a really scary moment. And in that moment, then you, you know, you turn again to God in, in fear. Mm-hmm. I think then it, it's one of those things that bears out in yeah. our lifetimes. I think it's been my experience which, anyway. Which kind of goes back to what Paul was saying about that idea of, um, you know, how do we respond to Jesus? For Peter, it was like, I want more, I want more, I want more. And for Judas, it was, yeah, I'm happy to be here, but really just thinking about, you know, what else, what other yeah. gods he could serve for, for yeah. his own means. So I think yeah. that's helpful, Ash. It's just that where do we turn to almost when our back's against the wall and what are the fruit, what's the fruit of, of, of God being in our lives and things like that? I think Peter kind of reflects um, what, our, what our hearts are. When we're fearful and we're worried about whether that, whether we truly are, it's because our hearts are truly desiring to be one of yes. God's children. Uh, and that can't be anything that we put in there. It's only something implanted by God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not where Judas is, not indifferent to it, not worried. We're where Peter is. So if you, I would say to anybody listening who's who's concerned, who who has those fears, actually cherish those fears in a way because it's revealing to you that God has worked in your heart. Okay, um, thanks very much for your chat, guys, Paul and Ash. That's uh, been really helpful to chat some of those things through. If there's things that we've talked about today that you would like to get in touch with the pastoral team about, then please drop us an email. We would really like to help you work through some of these things. And you can drop us an email at hello at xchurch.org.uk. And we'll either arrange a time to, um, to call you or to text you or just to keep that conversation going. These are really important truths in life that are worth um, exploring. Um, we've had a final five words through it was it's Paul's five words um, and it's push into the Lord's promises so perhaps that's a good uh, five words for you to take into this week um, no matter what this week throws at you push into the Lord's promises um, and lean on him maybe as we do that this week let's just close with some prayer Father God um, we are just so thankful that we get to meet together. Although we're not physically together, we just thank you that we have been able um, to share with one another, 
to um, hear testimony of you at work and the story of who you are. We thank you that we've been able to hear from your word, the Bible, and we thank you that it is powerful and it speaks to us and to our lives. And so we just pray that as it has already spoken to us through Paul, it would continue to speak to us this week. May it, may it do what it needs to do in our lives, where it needs to confront us, please would it confront us, where it needs to comfort us, God may it comfort us, um, and where it needs to bless us and remind us of who you are and widen our, our knowledge and our hearts for you, Lord, would you have that, make that work in our lives as well. Help us to push into your promises this week. Help us to cling to you. Help us to be like Peter, who always seeks to have more of you, even in the fearful times, even in the times when he got it wrong. Um, we pray that you would work um, by your grace in our hearts for your glory and for your name's sake, we ask. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. And we'll hope to see you on Good Friday at 10 a.m. Make sure you're prepped and ready for that. Um, and we look forward to seeing you then. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.